Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, we're just glad you're with us today. This is going to be a unique kind of episode. The story you're going to hear is a wife telling her deceased husband's story. Her name is Tara. Tara Allred, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, it's good to have you with us. Folks, let me explain a couple of things about this, okay? Uh, Episode number 67 will be Tara's personal story. We interviewed, took care of that a few weeks back. We're ready to run that now. Episode 68 will be her words concerning her husband's story. It's important to her that she shares that. Let's ask her why it's important. Tell us about that, Tara. Um, for those of you who who are listening, um, if you ever hear a story of redemption, I think this will be that story. Um, you you see someone who struggled with his identity um, and found um, found it through alcohol and um, fighting and living on the streets. Um, but in the midst, he always saw God there and um, got healed in his own words. And I'll read some of those. He found God and God's grace and mercy were always there. So um, I just think it's important that no ma- matter what we've done in our lives, no matter how hard we are to ourselves, um, that God is right there with us. And um, his story is all about forgiveness. Did you catch that, folks? Let me remind you a little, uh, just with these questions, are you tired of the fight, fed up with the struggle, ready to throw in the towel? Are you tired of those promises to yourself? Oh, the next time, I'll get it right the next time. Please, please don't stop. Don't give up. Don't give in. You haven't come this far to only come this far. And I think that today as we listen to Eric's story we're going to realize that anew and afresh and from a different point of view. So, Tara, let's just go ahead and get into that. Tell us, number one, how long were you guys married before he passed? We were married um, for seven years, but together for nine. Okay. And he passed how? Would you share that? Yes. Um, Eric had found out in October of uh, 2019 that he had ALS, which is a disease that basically uh, takes your life. There's no, there's no um, cure for it. It's um, all of Lou Gehrig's disease is another word for it. And it's basically all neurological. Um, it shuts down your whole body one by one, one limb by limb of eventually you don't speak, you don't eat, um, but you are alive inside. Your mind is right. Um, so it's like people will say you're in a shell. Your mind is, you know, just as with it as it was ever before, but you have no way to move, speak, talk. Um, 
So yeah, it's it's. I would not wish this disease on my worst enemy. I had ever. a dear friend who struggled with that, and of course, it took his life. He was a military buddy, and we lived close to each other. I watched him go from a guy of some strength to total weakness, yeah. and even more than weakness, the absolute inability to function. Yeah. Yeah. And as you mentioned to me just a little bit ago, Eric was not a small man. No, right? no, he was six three, two hundred and eighty of solid like body. Um, just his, he lived to work out. He lived to play golf. Um, he was a very strong, um, big man, and and even had the voice to go with it, the deep voice. So yeah, for him to, um, you know, and he'll tell he he would have told you to go back and, you know, live his days to golf and play um, baseball with his kids. And he was an avid fisherman. So he lived for the outdoors. And, um, you know, he prided himself on being there for others and, and being that protector, you know, and for then to somebody have to you know, weight on him, hand and foot. It it, it really messed with him. So wow, yeah. that had to be humbling to it him. Was. Yes, as you share that about him, I get the impression that is the Eric of the last few years. Because prior to that, it sounds like his behaviors, his actions, his intentions were built around his physical size. Oh yeah, I'm oh, yeah. sure that voice oh, played yeah. into yes. it. Yes. You're going to find out his story here in just a little bit. Continue to listen in as Tara shares Eric's story. So go ahead. Start early in his life. Tell us about him, please. Um, so Eric was born in 1977. Um, he, wa- he grew up in church. Um, his parents uh, went to church every Sunday. He was um, raised in a Baptist church. Um, he went to an early Christian school in the very, very beginning and um, he, he was, um, and he'll, t- he would have told you that, uh, his upbringing in the church was, was mostly fear-based. Um, it was, uh, you know, a religion of the time that put the fear of, of, um, you know, if you mess up, you're going to hell type thing. And, and that's how he remembers it for, you know, for very many, many years. Um, he, he was a young boy who would make crosses, um, out of sticks in his yard and put up all over his room just because he didn't want to go to hell. And so that was kind of the mindset Eric had. Um, but prior to that, um, he was actually molested by a family member, um, and I'm not going to disclose any of that, sure. but that, we wouldn't want yeah, to. that, that was, that was another thing that really, um, kind of set his way, set his journey into, um, just a life of, of alcohol and drugs and gangs and violence. And, um, he was, um, you know, a good boy. He was very athletic. Um, so that's a big part of his story too, is, um, he was great at baseball he was actually great at every sport, but baseball was his was his sport. Um, you know, fast forward to his you know middle school, high school years. Um, he uh, played baseball, and he was actually being scouted at an early age um, for colleges. Um, but Eric found out that you know through in confrontation one time. I, I believe he was in middle school. 
he got in a fight and he remembers that just like um, some alcoholics or addicts will remember the first time they took a drug. He felt the rush. He felt the power and that, 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 you know, self-hatred of all the things that he went through as a young child, you know, was, was, was numb, you know, and, and found out that he, he was good at something. He turned up loose in those moments of confrontation. Yes, he did. That build up anger, hurt, just as you said, that pain. Yeah. And, uh, Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Thanks. So, um, so again, he became a kid, um, and he, he, you know, sprouted early on. So again, the six, three, he took, you know, he was a bigger kid, um, very tall. Um, and he, like I said, found that he liked to, to fight and he didn't fight, um, just to fight. He fight, took the fight for the the man that couldn't. Right. So, um, he was the guy, you know, that people went, went to like so-and-so's picking on me, or if somebody looked at Eric the wrong way, they never looked at Eric the wrong way again. And, and, you know, but he always had one person, whether it be his dad, his dad is, um, a huge fan of Eric's. Oh, they had a great relationship all through the years. And, and, you know, they had their not so great, you know, moments too, as any, um, father and son do, you know, not always seeing eye to eye and, and the life that Eric led and how his dad, you know, quickly and always tried to get him out of it. But Eric, um, he, he just, he had this personality about him and, and I went to high school with him, by the way. So I remember the guy, <laughs> we went to Muncie central high school. That was going to be yeah, my question. Yeah. Just yeah. Curious. Yeah. And, um, he was, he was the bad boy and I was the good girl. So, um, I just remember him always getting in trouble, but he always had a coach, you know, um, and I can't remember the coach's name. I, I don't want to, to miss say it, but there was a coach that was very prominent in Muncie, um, the, you know, the leagues and, and Muncie central. And he had a way with Eric that nobody did. And, and if it wasn't for this man, Eric wouldn't have had some of the opportunities that he did. So we all need to be thankful for that person in our life. We all need that person and somebody else needs us as that person right right so he had this guy but again because of the lifestyle of fighting you know he got into drugs and alcohol um through middle school through high school um mostly just just marijuana and alcohol but he dabbled in that and um he was also on the other side of the tracks he would tell you so um the the guys that he hung out with, um, you know, were, were always looking for trouble, not necessarily looking to, you know, do good. So, well, and someone his side, you'd want on your team instead of going against them. All right. And, and, and that's what he did. He, like I said, again, he pride himself and, and he would tell you that every poor decision he ever made in his life for the longest time, alcohol and marijuana was a part of it. So you put alcohol and, and, marijuana in his system and you know he was ready he was ready to do whatever so um, he was actually graduated Muncie Central um, went to a junior college out in Chicago playing baseball Um, things were going well until they weren't Um, he was kicked out of that college Um, and then he was actually because of one of the coaches um, found another opportunity at a different junior college. And mind you, while he's in these junior colleges, there are two major league baseball teams that are, that are looking at him. And do you, 
I'm curious. Yeah. Do you remember who they were? Can oh, you tell us? I, 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 I don't. Okay. I, yeah, I don't want to tell them the wrong way. No, but, no. Um, but they, yeah, they were they're pretty big. I want to say one of them was Atlanta Braves, but there was another one. Okay. And, um, I'm sure if anybody. Uh, got a hold of me later on i'll make sure i research it because <laughs> so, right. that is that's kind of cool right so yes, very cool. so anyways um so he got kicked out of this one college and came back home and mind you in in between all this times so he was seeing some jail time for for misconduct and you know uh bad behavior and being at the wrong place at the wrong time or or fighting you know he he definitely had a sense in jail and um he got out of jail came back to muncie one time and um, after being kicked out of this college and met with the coach again and the coach brought him back and said okay you get a different time and he said no more than he got back onto campus about two weeks later he was at a house party drinking and uh drinking and smoking pot and um, found himself in a fight again and so he was kicked off campus so after that you know he knew what he squandered um, because now he didn't have a college to play for and it's very hard for someone to just to walk on a team so he decided to um, live the lifestyle so he was the guy um, that you called if you needed money so for instance if I'm selling drugs um, and someone owes me money I would send Eric Allred to go get it. And um, that was that was his job for a very, very long time. So he was kind of freelance with yeah. that, yeah. but enough individuals in that line of right. quote-unquote work right. knew right. who to right. call when they needed an enforcer. Yes, yes. Okay. And and again, he, he liked the fight. Um, you know, going back through all this, too, uh, he always would tell me that he still, even because of that young child being in a, in a Christian church, he still talked to God. You know, he still prayed to God. He still asked God, you know, hey, get me out of this or, let's you know, stop this. And But then again, he would, you know, he would bump his head and then he'd be right back out it he just he was not in control at all um so he's on the streets he's living the life um he did actually two stints in prison so he was a two-time felon for having um uh, guns and violence and alcohol and drugs and money and all that stuff so you know during this time he actually had two sons um that were born and uh, their names are Silas and Malachi. And um, he was in prison, uh, you know, for a little bit of their beginning of their childhood. And um, he asked his dad, you know, don't bring them here. I don't want to s them to see their dad in here. So the last time he got out of prison, um, he came out and again, he had every mindset of I'm going to do right. I'm going to do better. And while he was in this last stint of prison, um, I want to say it was he got out in 2002. Um, he did a lot of reading and a lot of um, just self-awareness of who he wanted to be and what he wanted to be. And he Hunting for himself. He was. He was. Like he was. After the uh, yeah. struggles he'd had. Yeah. How long was he incarcerated in prison um, between the two times? Uh, about five years between okay. the two times. So, okay. yeah. Um, and again with multiple stints of, you know, jail time throughout all that too. So, but in 2002, he, he, um, he stopped and, and he came out and, um, he was, you know, not doing some of the things that he was supposed to, you know, that he was doing before, but he still was, wasn't hanging around with the right crowd. Right. Um, 
he found his way um, in downtown Muncie, and uh, he was outside of a convenience store that had liquor and all that stuff. And um, while he was there, there was a confrontation that happened. And Eric was shot five times. Was this confrontation between himself and someone else? Or was yeah. It a, okay. Yeah, it was between himself, him and someone else. And, and this was someone that um, had uh, a history with him before. So um, Good history or no, bad? No, no. Most, mostly Eric had bad history with anybody that he came in contact to, except for his family. So okay. Eric didn't okay. really have... Um, you know, he had guys that, you know, were on his side, you know, until they weren't on his side. So, um, but yeah. So anyways, I would love to read something because he, um, in October 13th of 2022, it would have been 18 years that he was shot. And um, so this was uh, something that he posted yearly just to commiserate what happened on that day, because it is such a powerful um, thing that he, you know, almost like a divine intervention, if you will. So, so these are his these words. Are his words. Yes. And he had written this in the beginning, and you basically have a copy yeah, in your hand yep, there. Yep. The last time he was capable of, of um, posting this was October 13th of 2020, um, and that was during his stint that he had ALS, so eventually he couldn't type. Um, so this was the last time he was able to, and then I've shared it since then, but um, it says, on this day 16 years ago, I had an experience that drastically began changing the direction of my life. While laying in the streets bleeding to death after being shot five times, I was given a revelation from our Savior. After feeling the first three bullets shattered my right tibia, they penetrated my left thigh, buckling me to the ground. Then they pierced my abdomen. I realized I was more than likely going to die, and I began to pray. I blacked out from pain and shock, reluctantly not having to fill the fourth and fifth bullets. I was in the worst physical pain imaginable. As I prayed, I begged for another opportunity at life. I knew I was willfully living a dead-end life of alcoholism, promiscuity, and violence that was worthy of hell. And while fearfully pleading, my physical pain and the face appeared to me. I immediately recognized that this face was Messiah's Christ's. Internally, I somehow knew it was him. To this day, I cannot recall any of his facial features except for one, his eyes. And that is because of how he was looking at me. He never said a word. He didn't need to. His eyes said it all. They were filled with love, but an insurmountable level of hurt. I then experienced the most gut-wrenching feeling of sorrow and shame imaginable. So much so that it made my physical pain seem so trivial. I pleaded for another chance, and mercifully I woke up in ICU fighting for my life. He gave me the undeserved mercy I, mercy I asked for. Although I still have many strongholds to overcome and even struggled with alcoholism and pride following after this experience, it began a chain of events that would change my life forever. I was given a taste of both sides. I witnessed the reality of him, and I also was given a glimpse of what it would be like eternally if I was separated from him. Understand this. Our Heavenly Father and His Son are real. It's not fables, folklore, myth, or legend, but the testimony He has given me isn't just for the unbelieving. It's also for you, those who do believe and do walk out in your faith. 
It's here to strengthen your walk, help you persevere through times of trial, and give you added joy and hope at the reality of our reward. He goes on to say, I am not perfect. I'm far from it. I fall short daily, but I continue to push forward today during the calling, and in gratitude, I take full advantage of the opportunity I've been giving. I sincerely pray these words that bring you added strength, faith, and motivation. Our time here is short. Regardless of who you are, what you've done, or where you're going, or where you think you're going, or what you've been through, he's right there waiting, and he's willing to carry you through it. Wow. Yeah, he had he had a um, just a way with words always, too. So, well, yeah. when they're sincere. Oh, yeah. Most, so many poems, so many stories come out of our pain. That's the pain of the life he had lived facing in a positive direction. Right. A few comments about that, if I may. Sure. And backing up, he went through the abuse, mm-hmm. got into the alcohol, the marijuana, the, uh, the fights, the altercation, jail, prison, the shame of so many different things. And then on a street in Muncie, He was shot five times, feeling the first three, Mm -hmm. and almost gave thanks that they were, they hit him in such a way that he didn't feel the last two. Okay, he was numb to it by that time, and it sounds like he couldn't have imagined any greater physical pain than what he was having there. He blacked out because of that, Mm -hmm. and during that time, a face, the face of Messiah's Christ, I think is the way yeah. it was worded yes, there. Yes, yes, That face, though, he couldn't recognize it or describe it. He could the eyes. Mm-hmm. And that's not the first time I've heard that. I'm getting spirit chills mm-hmm. even saying that, Tara. But for Eric, in that moment of... It had to be near death, I would imagine. Right. I don't know how closely, but uh, it had to be an option at that point, okay? For him to be able to to see that in his mind's eye, or I don't know, maybe his eyes were open and he saw that face. I'm not clear on that. I don't know if you are even. Um, yeah, so no, it was, it was while he was blacked out. He okay. believes, yeah, he believes he was dying. So he okay. believed, like I said, he was he was actually dying, um, and yeah. about to lose, and and he believes that he was not going to go to heaven. That he, you know, which is what he believed I in. Got that? Yeah. Uh, in there, you read something like he experienced both possibilities. Yeah, it both. wasn't the word possibility. Yeah. But it was a heaven or hell thing in that moment. He was given a taste of both sides. A taste. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and that's also, I'm also hearing a throwback to his early church experiences of the hellfire and brimstone and how it you had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. There was no room for error, mm-hmm. anything else. Yeah. Uh, disappoint yeah. God in any way, shape, or form. You're done. Right, right. And here he is with his, 
I guess, could be almost his dying breaths. I don't want to dramatize it. Right. But no. We no. don't know how many right. more he had. Right. Right. And, and, you know, he doesn't talk about this, but he was actually dragged um, under. So after he was shot the, the five times, um, whomever did this dragged his body and put it under back back in the back um, of this convenience store or whatever. It was under a picnic table and threw brush over him, left him to die. So that was the intent. So. Tell me again what time of year that was. October. So, okay, we're getting into yeah. the fall there. So foliage, okay. fo- foliage was yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, wow. <laughs> There's... There's not a lot more you can say about that, but I guess I'm drawn to the picture he must have seen of those eyes of Christ. Mm -hmm. There is a picture that's present in many churches of multiple denominations that shows those blue eyes of Christ. I, for one, don't believe it was blue-eyed, and that's kind of irrelevant. I think it's called the picture by Salzman, Mm -hmm. but... The eyes just the same are the window to the souls, what it's been said. And for him to look into those eyes, and he could look deeply enough within Christ to see what his options were and to feel everything he had felt. He had to think, I'm not going to make it. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and tell us more of the story here. What the follow-up okay was on that. so um he, again he he woke up and he would also tell in his own testimony three days later in icu he and, woke up three days yeah later. so he always used the parallel of um of scripture and how three days is is as big in scripture um jonah was in the well for three days um you know christ himself and um going through you know the you know the cross and when he you know rose again was three days so you know he would he would say like you know that he didn't believe in coincidences so he would say that was not a coincidence so um as soon as he got out of icu again he had a lot of rehabilitation to go through um he remembers being in icu for quite i want to say months and months he was in there so it wasn't just a you know come out of it quick but he was in ICU and some of the, the gang, you know, the friends or, you know, whatever, the, the guys on the streets that knew him knew who these people were that did this. And they came to him and they were like, give us the word and, and we'll take care of this. And Eric was like, you know, I recognize that as Satan just putting me right back here. I am. I prayed, you know, God, I'll change. God, give me another chance. And then, you know, I wake up and, you know, a few days later, the guys come in and say, let's, we know who did this. Let's, let's go after him. And he was like, no, you know, I, I, I can't do that. So, um, that, that was Satan trying to get him right back to where he was supposed to go, you know, where Satan wanted him to go and, and not learn from this. But again, he'll tell you his life was not perfect. Um, and he bumped his head more times than not, but he did walk away from the street life. You know what? Peter's life wasn't perfect either. <laughs> You're right. Use You're right. the phrase, he bumped his head <laughs> yes. more than what yes. I recall those three denials of Christ. That's bump. Oh, bump, yeah. Bump oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. And that list goes on. So go ahead. Yeah. So, um, so Eric, you know, eventually um, he, he would tell you um, 
you know, the last stint in prison, he, he would, um, researched a lot more on the holy days versus the holidays. And so, um, when he, when he was, you know, work, working and, and doing the things he could for Christ and, you know, Eric would also tell you too, he tried, um, probably as much human effort as he could to making God proud of him since that day. And, you know, again, um, you know, doing whatever he could, sharing his story, um, changing his life around, you know, doing the holy days. Um, he would he would practice Sabbath days. And this was all from the readings and stuff that he, t- he taught himself in prison. So he used what he learned in prison just to, you know, try to eventually make his life better. And, um, you know, I, I'll say in 2014 is when Eric and I reconnected. And we had a couple, he reached out to me actually on Facebook a couple times. So I didn't actually bump into him. It was, it was through social media. And, um, the first time that him and I, you know, hung out, he asked me if I drank and I said, no. And, um, he was like, you don't drink. And I said, no, Eric, I can't, um, I can't have just one. And so, you know, my path of recovery was well as his path of recovery and how we got, got together, um, because he would, he would drink, um, during those holy days, but he would find himself in a binge. So he definitely found himself to be an alcoholic, um, and, you know, bringing our two lives together, we definitely helped each other in our own recovery. Um, we were supportive for each other. So after Eric and I got together, he did not have one drink of alcohol, and he was sober for seven years before he passed away. So that's huge, a testimony to the life that he was trying to change and give to God. So Let me add a piece to sure, that. Sure, sure. Most of the time, the statistics are against a alcoholic connecting with an alcoholic, mm-hmm. an addict connecting with an addict. Yeah. But you guys broke that. Yes, we did. Yes, we Correct. did. Yeah, Correct. yeah. And I, and that's that's all by the you know the the, the love and grace of God um, that our spiritual paths, you know, were very much connected and and God was a big part of our lives and we just helped balance that out. So you know I couldn't drink and so therefore he didn't drink right and and he knew he shouldn't drink and um, so anyways we. Uh, we ended up getting married, and through the through the years of um, probably the last ten years of his life, Eric um, would share his story. He um, vowed to be an evangelist, so he would go around um, any opportunity. He spoke at churches um, on his testimony, but he would also give sermons about his favorite, which was excuse me, Ephesians um, and the armor. That was one of his favorites. Peter Peter and the fishermen and how, you know, he got out on the boat. So Eric had a lot of of stories that he loved to share about the Bible and and could kind of take those stories and apply it to his own life and his own, you know, behaviors that he had in the past. And so he had this following about him. Um, he would speak at schools, um, and talk to young, um, middle school and high schoolers about, um, making good choices and not, not going, you know, the route of drugs or alcohol and, and that if, you know, they were good at something to keep their focus on that. And he really did try, you know, to, um, 
to use his past for good. And um, it, it was, again, he just, he had this eloquent way of, of a delivery. And when he talked, you could, you know, he could read the phone book and it was, you know, attractive. Yeah. So because well, of that deep voice. As a guy, especially if I was a young guy, to look up to somebody of his size and stature, he's right. already got my attention. Right. Okay. Well, and, and, you know, being in, in prison, he had those prison tattoos. Um, he had a couple on his face, on his neck. He had them up and down his arms. Um, now, he would tell his children, do not get tattoos, do not do what I did. So he, you know, he regretted those. But he could talk to people that a lot of pastors and ministers couldn't reach, you know. Well, and there are times I have none. Right. There are times a tattoo will get you much farther than a tie. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Like um, he knew the street life and he could talk the talk because, you know, because he did. At one time he walked it. So he could relate to a lot of people. Um, and, and they, you know, everyone, that's one thing that too, for me, um, I can bring to this is, you know, if somebody understands what I went through or how I went through it or, you know, then I can relate more to them and I, I'm more apt to listen to them. And I think that's human nature. You know, I try, but I, that was the way with Eric. He could reach kids and, and adults and um, even just his knowledge. Um, he ended up in the latter years being best friends with um, a minister who used to be a minister out at the gathering in Muncie. And, um, you know, <laughs> you know, this pastor went to church, you know, and every Sunday and, you know, went to school to be a, a, a pastor. And um, he would tell Eric, dude, you, you teach me just as much as I teach you. So um, when Eric spoke, you listened. So there was just something about him. Well, I'm sure that he did it in such a way. As I said earlier, size had your attention. It mm -hmm. sounds like his voice was going to get it if a size right. didn't. Right. But then his story, I'll bet, hooked you in a heartbeat oh, yeah. to see someone oh, yeah. of his size People that size shouldn't have any struggles, right. okay? Right. I can just manhandle them. Right. So yes. Right. All right. Go so ahead. so we um, let's fast forward. You know he's he's living the good life. He's you know um, a good father. He's a good son. Um, he's you know speaking at churches, speaking at schools, trying you know he's avid on social media and getting stories out and trying to connect, you know, the hard lives of the world, you know, and applying them to our spiritualness. And, um, you know, Eric said he found internal healing and it was probably 40 40 years later. He finally, and that was because of his diagnosis, you know, that he was diagnosed, like I said before, with ALS, um, this disease that would take his life. Um, at such a young age, you know, he died when he was 44 years old and, um, the, the man, um, he, he just, he was okay with that. You know, it was like, he, he felt that, um, this was his way of, of even more of a redemption. And during all that time, he, he still did not relent on sharing his story. Um, there was times I would type things out for him, or we got a computer where um, his eyes 
worked the keyboard and and he would share um, on those and so if if anybody listened he was willing to share his story um, up until his last days you know and um, he he struggled for so long with feeling uh, unworthy for so many years and he would tell you it wasn't until he got this disease that he actually felt worthy so none of us want to do it that yeah. way, but it takes that. God yeah. will get our attention right. one way or the other. I'm right. not going to say God cast the disease. Oh on no, him. yeah, I'm not Definitely. that kind of believer. Yeah, but by the same token, He will use it. It right. says in Genesis 50 verse 20, "What you meant for evil, God will use for good, and He's going to use it to save lives, just as He right. is right now." Right, right. And I kind of, I'm reminded of that with Eric's yeah. story. There. Yeah, yes. yep. yeah, so, um, you know, you, you, I, for me, you see his mercy, God's mercy all through Eric. Um, Eric, so normally a, a person who has ALS are, is given two to five years of prognosis. Once prognosis is given, Eric had it for 18 months. So it took him wow. very, it took him out quick. Um, and, you know, I that we can, you know, attune that for many reasons. Um, but Eric, I think was ready. He was ready to, um, give up the fight, you know? So he got, not only was, did he die being healed of addiction, you know, and he also, he was healed of this, um, this terminal disease of ALS. So, um, you know, and I, I just, again, his story is so profound, especially with, with, uh, looking the eyes, um, face to face, you know, um, when he, again, when he would share this, there was, you know, not a, a drop that you would hear in the room. Just everybody was, you know, full attention on him. And, you know, I think we could all relate to, to that grace and mercy and, and that wanting, you know, we all want to feel worthy. We all want to feel like we're doing something right. And he was, you know, he was healed of his history as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Some of the things he had chosen to do and some of the things that were cast upon him that he had no choice right. with right. and all that that cost. Tara, I've got to say, you spoke of his abilities to share this. You've done it with great eloquence mm. and understanding. The relationship you guys had it was beautiful. Very evident. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. It, it's evident because yeah. you say it was such heartfelt feelings, oh, okay? Yeah. And I don't mind telling you, <laughs> I went off here so I could spend some time with God over my tears, Thank okay? Yeah. And I say that with all support and love and goodness. Your <laughs> willingness to come and share this. Uh, you're not Eric's size by any means, <laughs> but your heart is. <laughs> Thank okay, you. Okay, just you. as big as his yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's paint the picture. I'm five foot one on a good day. So up Thank next to Eric, <laughs> up you, up to next to Eric. I am, yeah, little, little, I'm fierce. I'm fierce though. <laughs> kind of Goliath and David yes. standing oh, yeah. next to each Definitely. other. If we could go back to Definitely. the scriptures, but what you've offered us today is the fact back when you began, you said something like, you know, he was able finally to find the hope, the help, the healing, 
because God never left him even mm-hmm. if he stepped away from God. And that's the way our God operates. That's right. Uh, none of us walk with him as closely as we should, but it's not because he's left us. It's because we have moved away. Right. Anything you'd like to close with? Um, just, you know, if you, if you feel or anything with this story, it's no matter, again, no matter where you're at in your walk or not walk, you know, um, is there is, there is forgiveness out there and, you know, yeah, we, I, I still bump my head. I'm not perfect. And Eric, you know, would attest to that too, but, um, we, we do, we always find our way back to God. And, and I said it before, God never left us. We left him. So, and Eric's story says that my story says that. And, um, I just, I want all the listeners to know that you're not alone. You're not alone. Those are powerful words and remind yourself of that folks. Uh, you know, people like Eric who have been there, done that, have the scars to prove it and dished out a few scars along the way. They're as forgivable as any of us who see ourselves as at a much higher level. So, where negativity, desperation, and hopelessness once lived, there's now a path to a healthy and successful future. I think it begins with God, but you'll find Him on your own terms and His terms for you. But open your eyes. Rise from the ashes, the lies, the guilt, that sense of worthlessness— and you too can impact lives. I say it over and over. Recovery is like a rainbow. You can't witness a rainbow without sharing it. You can't experience recovery without telling others. Tara, thank you. Thank you for sharing with us of Eric's life. I'll close with this. I wish I could have met him. Amen. Amen. God bless.